Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, training camp is underway around the NFL. The dead zone is finally over. NFL football is back. Even if it's not games just yet, we got lots of practices. We got lots of stuff going on in terms of training camp. And uh, obviously, you've been listening to our BGN radio updates from training camp with BLG and Jimmy Kemsky. So, Uh, For all the ins and outs on what's going on with Eagles training camp, you want to make sure that you're listening to that podcast and uh, that you're checking out BleedingGreenNation.com every day. I'm going to take you around the NFL with some of the major headlines from training camp in some of the enemy camps uh, for some teams in the NFC East and around the NFL. Some injury news coming up here in the next few minutes. Uh, Some teams really got hit hard in in these first couple days of training camp. But I'm also going to open up the mailbag for the Eye on the Enemy mailbag. We don't usually dust off the eye on the enemy mailbag but i got some good questions this week so i thought we'd share them here on this episode of the podcast as well so let's get into the nfl training camp roundup and we'll start with the new york giants saquon barkley decides not to hold out he shows up to camp instead and signs a one-year deal rather than play on the franchise tag it's it's a a little over $10 million. It's a little over the $10 million, the $10.091 million franchise tag figure. Uh, it includes incentives that can take his salary up to $11 million. So he's making more than he would have been on the franchise tag, but not much more. And we know this has been a brutal offseason for running backs. We are seeing with Josh Jacobs and a number of other running backs that they're just not getting the kinds of deals that running backs used to get. Miles Sanders, really the the only free agent running back to get a significant big money multi-year deal this offseason. Everybody else really struggling to try and find anything longer than a cheap one-year deal. They just the running back position Offensive coaches feel like they can just get production from anywhere by using multiple running backs. You build through the line and you've got you scheme things up now where that you don't want to have a 25 to 30 per game guy toting the ball. And if you're not going to have that guy, then there's no reason to spend a lot of money on the position, especially because as these guys age, they tend to age quicker than other positions. So uh, Barkley is back. He was ruminating. As, as soon as as early as last week or as recently as last week that he was going to hold out really seemed pretty upset about his situation but softened he said to reporters on thursday that he had an, an epiphany and that he just felt it would be the best thing for everybody concerned himself included if he were to come back so instead of holding out instead of there being the possibility that he would sit out the season which it, at one point this offseason he said he would consider he doesn't even miss a single day of training camp now because he signed this one-year deal, Barkley could be back in this situation again next year where the Giants could franchise him. So uh, we'll see how this all shakes out. But for for now, Barkley is in camp and he will start the regular season on time. The Giants also signed left tackle Andrew Thomas to a five-year, $117.5 million extension, including $67 million in guaranteed money. That's the most ever for an offensive lineman. Remember, Thomas was the number four overall pick in the 2020 draft. He's heading into year four of his rookie contract, so uh, they could have had him play out the string this year and use the fifth-year option as leverage for a deal. The Giants just decided to get it all done now, and so the 24-year-old who struggled 
early in his career, has become one of the game's dominant left tackles. He was named a second-team All-Pro in 2022, and he is on the shortlist of first-team All-Pro candidates here in 2023. His $23.5 million per year new money average makes him the second-highest-paid left tackle in the NFL behind only Laramie Tunsil, who's making $25 million a year. Staying in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys also signed one of their young stars to a contract extension. Cornerback Trayvon Diggs agrees to a five-year, $97 million deal. That includes $21.25 million in signing bonus, and uh, it's worth up to $104 million with incentives. A 2020 second-round pick, Diggs was set to enter the final year of his rookie contract worth $4.3 million in base salary. The $19.4 million per year average in new money makes him the fifth-highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. He's tied with the Saints' Marson Lattimore behind Jair Alexander, Denzel Ward, Jalen Ramsey, and Marlon Humphrey. Amazingly, neither Darius Slay nor James Bradbury among the top five. San Francisco 49ers news. Brock Purdy back in camp and ready. There had been some worry and some concern, some speculation. His recovery from uh, the elbow surgery that he had very closely watched, not sure if he would be able to be there for the start of training camp, but he is there. He's going to be on a pitch count, according to head coach Kyle Shanahan, but um, very good news for 49ers fans that their starting quarterback is ready. This is, it's still amazing that that the 49ers and and San Francisco has is is pinning are pinning so much of their hopes on on Mr. Irrelevant the, the very last pick in the draft in 2022 he did put together a 7-0 record as a starter i and i i certainly get the fact that he played very well when he came in there but um i am still not sold on Brock Purdy as a, some top level starting quarterback here in the NFL i i what he did was was amazing last year but I think it's still fair to wonder if it was fluky. Um, But it certainly is better than the alternatives. And the alternative is Trey Lance. Early reports are that he is not looking very good. He's getting limited reps and playing very poorly when he does get them. Missing easy throws that that Trey Lance, I mean, we talked about it with Rob Stats Guerrero a few few weeks ago now. Maybe maybe actually it was last month uh, talking about his progression and lack thereof, and just that his throwing motion was was so terrible that he had to have an off day after he would throw really hard, which is just not something that an NFL quarterback needs. So it's good news for the 49ers that Brock Purdy is there. But again, I'm a little skeptical that he's some stud quarterback, but the 49ers really need competent play at quarterback. They don't need a stud most of the time, except when you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles in, in, in an NFC championship game. The Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, it seems as though avoided a major injury and a huge scare for the Bengals. They got some good news. Their starting quarterback will be out several weeks with a calf strain that he suffered in practice. It was a non-contact injury. It looked really bad at the time. He was carted off the field, but as it turns out, it is a calf strain, so he only will miss several weeks. There is an outside chance that he could be ready for week one, but it's more than likely it'll probably be week two or week three. In the meantime, uh, Bengals quarterbacks Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning uh, will get the majority of the reps. Now, Burrow has not signed his contract extension yet. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert all agreed to their extensions this offseason, but Burrow has not, so it's unclear what this injury situation uh, will mean for those talks over the previous two seasons. 
Uh, Burrow has thrown for more than 4,400 yards and 34 touch, 34 or more touchdowns. Uh, he earned his first Pro Bowl selection last year, and he led the Bengals to the Super Bowl in 2021, back-to-back division titles for the first time in franchise history. Um, and, of course, Burrow has had injuries before. Uh, remember, his rookie season ended with an ACL tear to his left knee, uh, and then he had an appendectomy at the start of last year's camp. So this guy just doesn't play in training camp, but it hasn't really affected him negatively. Negatively. So it was really looking like he might have been out for the season. That That's what that injury looked like when it happened. But as it turns out, it's a calf strain and there is a chance he will be ready for week one. The Miami Dolphins were not as fortunate with injury news. Their cornerback, Jalen Ramsey, who they just got from the Rams uh, this offseason, will undergo surgery uh, on a knee, uh, full meniscus repair in his left knee, and he is expected to be out until December. Ramsey injured the knee during Miami's Thursday practice and was carted off the field. Uh, The question when it first happened was, what kind of surgery would it require? There was some thought as to... Could he just get a meniscus trim? That would have only made it a six-week recovery period, but they're going to need to do a full meniscus repair, uh, which is going to keep him out until December. Um, it's a bummer for a Miami team that is expected to contend for a Super Bowl. This is a this is probably the, one of the best Miami teams they've had since the Dan Marino era. It's been a long time since the Dolphins were this good, and they're playing in a tough division, right? They're playing a division with the Bills, and they play in a division with an improved Jets team. Um, so they really needed Jalen Ramsey in there to to match up against uh, some of the better wide receivers in that division. Now. Um, but it's going to have to wait until December. And so uh, right now, it's uh, uh, Miami's going to have to kind of uh, figure some things out on the fly here as they are without uh, their best cornerback. And as far as the Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon's team, um, bad news, you can sign, you can cross uh, safety Buda Baker off of your wish list if you're an Eagles fan. Um, he didn't sign a long-term extension that he was looking for, but he did get a big pay increase heading into his seventh season. Uh, he received a raise in the form of a 2.4 of $2.4 million in bonuses and incentives this year, uh, which includes a $300,000 signing bonus. Uh, that's according to the NFL Network. Baker also received a raise for next season. Uh, Baker did sign a four-year $59 million extension in Arizona back in 2020, which set the market at that point. But uh, with two years remaining on that deal, um, other players have jumped in front of him, which is what happens. Uh, He was set to make uh, just over $13 million in base salary in 23 and $14 million in 2024. Uh, But none of that money was guaranteed, so the five-time Pro Bowler was looking for a new contract. And when that didn't happen, he requested a trade back in April. But Eagles fans were hoping that Buda Baker would come to Philadelphia in a trade, but it just never happened, and now it won't. Baker has generated seven interceptions in six seasons with Arizona. He's had 34 passes defended, six forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, seven and a half sacks, and 650 tackles. Uh, he's earned two first-team All-Pro honors and was named to the second team in 2021. Last item, New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers has signed a two-year $75 million contract with the team. That's incredibly a pay cut of roughly $35 million as his previous deal had nearly $110 million guaranteed. Uh, The four-time AP 
NFL MVP's new contract is technically a five-year deal with two option years to spread out that bonus. So what it does is create some salary cap room, about $9 million in salary cap room for the Jets here in 2023, and gives them flexibility in 2024, where they were really going to get hammered. And it will it could free them up to sign running back Dalvin Cook, who visited the team this week. The former Minnesota Viking is the favorite, um, is expected to sign uh, with the Jets at some point in the next couple couple of days, maybe even this weekend. Those are the big stories from around the NFL here in the first week of training camp, and uh, we'll dip into um, the headlines every week during training camp as we try to keep you abreast on what's going on with our enemies. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's hit the eye on the enemy mailbag. And the first one comes from at Raw G Moto, who asks, why is the media so high on the 49ers still as legit contenders? They don't have a clear-cut franchise quarterback, and they just lost a stud defensive coordinator. I think they have a bigger chance of a drop-off than the Eagles. Well, I don't disagree with the last part. I think there's definitely more of a chance that the 49ers drop off than the Eagles do. I don't think it's necessarily because they lost their defensive coordinator. I think it's because Brock Purdy is still not a sure thing. You know, I just talked about that a second ago. And I I felt like that coming into the NFC Championship game. I really felt like the Eagles were going to handle him. In the starts that Brock Purdy had late in the season, he really didn't have to play anybody tough. The only times, the playoff games that, the playoff game that he played was, that he won was at home. Um... He played most of his games at home or on the West Coast. He never had to travel to the East Coast, really, for, for anything. Um, he was really set up well. And, hey, that's great. It was, it's an, it was an incredible thing that he did, playing the way that he did down the stretch. I don't want to take that away from him. I just think with Brock Purdy, there is a decent chance that he could struggle this year or that he might not be as productive or as good as he was last year. And I think most fans are thinking of Brock Purdy. Most NFL folks are thinking of Brock Purdy as a surefire, you know, top 10 quarterback in the league. And I'm just not there yet. I think we have short memories. This guy was their third string quarterback heading into last year. He was not thought of highly enough to be taken any earlier than the last player picked in the seventh round of the 2022 draft. And what he did was phenomenal and it could very well repeat itself. And if it does, I'll, I'll eat crow. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I'm just saying, I'm actually not even sure that what, what the odds are of him being able to repeat what he did is a 50, 50, maybe 50, 50. I think, you know, that, that sounds about right to me. So I think there's, 
just as good a chance that he is a good quarterback for the 49ers as there is that he's a that he's not a good quarterback or that he takes a step back. And I think there's a greater chance that the 49ers quarterback takes a step back than Jalen Hurts does and that the rest of the Eagles roster does. So yes, I, I still think the 49ers are the second best team in the conference. I think their overall roster is maybe even superior to the Eagles, but that quarterback position is really important. And I think the Eagles still have the edge there, but I do think the 49ers are number two. But the chance for a drop-off is there because if Brock Purdy isn't the guy, Trey Lance also isn't the guy. And then I don't know what they do at quarterback. There's really not a whole lot of options outside of that. They they need Brock Purdy to be that guy. And I'm, I just think, like, is he Ty Detmer? You know, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be like a, a Bobby Hoying? You know, one of those guys who, who shows flashes and then kind of drops back and we never hear from him again? I think I think there's a real chance Brock Purdy could be Bobby Hoying. And so we'll see, but... I think that's, I don't think you can discount that possibility. At Saving Private Ryan underscore eight asks, why am I so confident about this season? Feels weird that there's no glaring questions at the start of camp. I'm very confident too, Ryan. And this is uh, Ryan Aletzik is the uh, the uh, the Twitter um, owner of that uh, feed who's asking the question. And Ryan, I, I feel just as confident as you do. I think every Eagles fan is feeling as confident as you are. Every Eagles fan is feeling like they are the favorites in the division. I will say, don't sleep on the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys are good. They are a very good team uh, and they play the Eagles tough most of the time. So um, you cannot discount Dallas and you cannot discount the New York Giants. I'm not sure the Giants will be able to do again what they did last year, but that is a well-run organization now with a very good head coach. So you have to fear the Giants, even though the Eagles beat them three times last year. But I'm extremely confident about this season because I'm confident in the head coach, because I'm confident in the quarterback, and I'm confident in the general manager. I'm confident in the leadership on this team. I'm confident in both lines, the offensive line and defensive line. I'm confident in the stud cornerbacks that they have. I'm confident in the wide receiving core and the tight end. I mean, there's just so many weapons on this team. That's why you're confident. And I think you know that this is a team, and especially the quarterback, that's not going to rest on their laurels, right? They're they're they can keep what happened last year, falling just short in the Super Bowl, and keep that in perspective, not get too hungry, but to the point where you're psyching yourself out, but also understanding that you cannot sit back and expect the same kind of things to happen, that it's going to be hard work. The, the schedule is much tougher this year. It's going to be more difficult to get back to the Super Bowl this year than it was last year. But there are glaring questions at the start of camp. Can Nicobe Dean take over as the number one linebacker. They're putting a lot on this guy's shoulders. For a guy who didn't play a single, or maybe if he did play a single snap on defense last year, it was like you could count him on one hand. To, to all of a sudden come into the season here and he's the guy at linebacker and you have Nicholas Morrow at, at, at linebacker, you know, that's a, those are weaknesses. That's a weak spot on this team right now. I don't think they're done adding. I think Nicobe Dean should be a starter, but I don't think that this is a finished product at linebacker. I'm also not sold on the safety position. I, I think there are upgrades to be made there. If, if Howie Roseman can go out and find something. So I, I think that there are some glaring questions. I think the punter situation is still up in the air and you laugh about the punter, but the punting situation was a problem for this team last year. Special teams coverage was a problem for this team last year. They got to tighten that up 
Special teams hurt them last season, especially in the Super Bowl, as we all remember. So there are, and and one of the other glaring questions has to do with the coaching staff. What will Sean Desai's defense look like? Will it be different than Jonathan Gannon's? Will he use his players effectively? Will there be some wrinkles that we didn't see from Jonathan Gannon's defense? It would be hard for there not to be any wrinkles because Jonathan Gannon's defense was a flat sheet. There was nothing unique about his defenses at all. Can they get the same kind of production from the defensive line that they got from last year's defensive line? A historically good defensive line. And can Brian Johnson call plays the way Shane Steichen called plays? Will he find that rhythm? Will he have the same feel for it that Shane Steichen did? Or will will Nick Sirianni have to take it over? Those are questions. Those are glaring questions. But they are fewer questions than virtually every other team in the NFL has at this stage of the offseason. So that's why you feel so confident, and that's why I feel so confident about this team. At G. Stollerts asks, there's a two-part question. If Dak Prescott and Dallas doesn't make the NFC title game, do they trade him? And if so, are the Eagles the NFC East favorites for the next three to five seasons? Well, yes, if, if they trade Dak Prescott away, and they don't have a plan to replace him. I can't imagine what that plan would be. Yes, the Eagles, I think the Eagles are the favorites for the next three to five seasons anyway. The New York Giants with Daniel Jones, they're only committed to him for another year or two. They need a succession plan at quarterback. And with Washington, Sam Howell, maybe Eric Bieniemy takes that team to a height they haven't seen before because I really like Eric Bieniemy. I think that's a big add. I think Washington's going to be a, a team you have to just kind of watch out for a little bit here this season, offensively speaking. I'm curious to see what it's going to look like. But um, if Dak gets traded away, yes, the Eagles are obviously the NFC East favorites for the next three to five seasons. Would they trade him if he doesn't make the NFC title game this year? I think it's going to depend on how he plays personally. If he has a game in the divisional round where he's where, where the offense is floundering, where he's not throwing the ball well, where he doesn't look good, where he's throwing interceptions. If he has another season where he's throwing a lot of interceptions, I, I suppose you could see it. If the Cowboys decide we want to get younger at the position, we need to draft somebody in the first round. They might offer Dak up for a, a first-round pick or something like that. But remember, they just signed him to a big contract. It's going to be difficult to get that kind of a return for Dak Prescott, especially as he's aging. But teams need really good quarterbacks. And for all of his warts, and Dak Prescott certainly has them, if he can stop throwing interceptions, he, he's exceedingly good. And it's a very, very good offense when he's not doing that. So... I'm looking for a little bit of a bounce back year from Dak. I don't think we're going to see that kind of interception splurge that he went on last year. I think he's going to cut down on the interceptions, and I think the Cowboys' offense is going to be good. Does that mean they make the NFC title game? I don't think so. Um, I think you're more likely to see a head coaching get a head coach get fired if they don't get to the NFC title game this year than Dak Prescott getting traded. But I won't put anything by Jerry Jones. Neil Dutton at ndutton13 asks, are there any jersey numbers that have not been retired by the Eagles that probably should have been? Not going to lie, seeing someone other than Malcolm Jenkins in number 27 gets an angry clenched fist from me. You know, I've always thought Rodney Pete's number nine uh, should have gotten, <laughs> should have gotten retired. No. Um, 
I don't think so. I, I think, you know, they've got Donovan McNabb's number five, uh, Steve Van Buren's number 15, Brian Dawkins' number 20, Tom Brookshire's number 40, uh, Pete Retzlaff's number 44, Chuck Bednarik's number 60, uh, number 70 for Al Wistert, uh, number 92 for Reggie White, and number 99 for Jerome Brown. I'm trying to think of other guys. Um, there's nobody else from the Buddy era that I think I would, whose number I would retire. You've got Donovan McNabb and Brian Dawkins from the uh, uh, from the Andy Reid era. I mean, Brian Westbrook maybe, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think you would retire Brian Westbrook's number uh, number thirty six. Um, uh, anybody from you know the Doug Peterson team? I don't know that they had enough guys who were on that team long enough. I mean, uh, I. I suppose you could you could make an argument for Nick Foles just because of the unique nature of his standing with the team. Um, but I think you're going to see some more numbers retired when a couple of guys um, retire from this group of of Eagles players. Um, I think Jason Kelsey's number for sure gets retired. Lane Johnson's number almost certainly gets retired. Um, but, you know, the big four, Brandon Graham's number is going to get retired and Fletcher Cox's number is going to get retired. Those are four numbers that are going to get retired at least. And I don't, I don't think there will be anybody else. I think those will be the four numbers that they say, yeah, nobody else is wearing this thing again. Um, but as far as like past players, maybe Mike quicks 82, but that's a, that, you know, that was a long, I mean, that should have happened a long time ago. You could say, um, you know, why isn't Harold Carmichael's number retired? Howard Carmichael's number should should probably be retired. Eric Allen's number could be retired. Um, he is an all-time great cornerback. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, those would probably be the big ones that jump out to me. Um, am I doing, do I have, you know, clenched fist? Am I up in arms that that it's not? Not really, but uh, those are the those are the numbers that I think would get retired, um, that I think should get retired. Uh, at Fitzmorrow asks, what areas of the team do you think will regress this year and why? Uh, I think certainly the defensive line will not pile up the, the sheer number of sacks that they got, even with the addition of Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, who by all accounts is just killing it uh, in training camp. But you lose Javon Hargrave from the middle. I think Jalen Carter is going to be exceedingly good. He might set uh, an Eagles rookie sack record this year. I mean, he he could do that, but it's a little bit tougher to do that from the defensive tackle position. Um but I do think what they did last year is not sustainable year to year. They piled up so many sacks last season. I, they're just they're just not going to do that again. Um, but I, so I think that's an area where they're going to regress a little bit. Um, I think you might see a little bit of regression from Jalen Hurts. He was so good last year. Is it is it asking too much for him to do the exact same thing to to repeat that performance? It it might not be. Um, but if there is regression, I don't think it's major regression. I don't think it's going to be something where you say, oh, boy, this thing is really dropped off. Because, you know, I don't, I mean, I think A.J. Brown's a 1,000-yard receiver. I think Devontae Smith could be another. I don't, do they both go over 1,000 yards again this year? I don't know. If you're talking about regression, maybe injury regression, that they're a little unluckier with injuries. Um, I think they were due for more interceptions than they got last year. So if there's some regression, I think there's that's an area where they should improve. I think they should be able to get more turnovers as a defense uh, this year. Maybe trade in some of those sacks for turnovers, um, more interceptions from the cornerbacks. 
because they have some studs there. I mean, you would you would think that they would be able to to pick off more passes. So those are some of the areas of regression I see and maybe an area of improvement as well. At Irish Eagles asks, most likely spot how he adds someone via a, via a trade and a dark horse position to add that no one has really mentioned. Um, I think linebacker and safety are the, are the two obvious answers there in, in terms of a trade. I uh, talked about that a little bit. A dark horse position to add tight end, uh, you know, maybe getting another, another tight end to back up Dallas Goddard. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I think they're still just a, a little bit weak there. Obviously Dallas Goddard is the number one, but you've got Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra and Tyree Jackson as, as your backup tight ends. I think, I think that's an area where you could see Howie Roseman swing a trade, maybe get someone a little bit more with a little bit more experience, a little bit more reliable, um, to be your backup tight end rather than Jack Stoll or, and Grant Calcaterra. I think you need, I think you need something else there, uh, in, in order to, in order to make that position, shore that position up a little bit. So I think that's a dark horse position that uh, Howie Roseman would still look to add. Uh, last one at Roach Seamus asks, how big of a dumpster fire do you see the NFC South being? Any, any chance, any kind of contender can come from that division? You know, as I was looking at the NFC South, when I was doing my NFC rankings, I was really poo-pooing it as well. But as I've started to think more and more about that division, I actually think that division could actually be really interesting and maybe better than we're thinking. I think Bryce Young, he's going to start right away for Carolina. And the Panthers have, have done a lot to try and improve that team. I think, I think the Panthers are going to be sneaky better this year. I think the Atlanta Falcons could be legitimately good. I was way too low on them uh, early in the season. And I, I need to have somebody from the, from the Falcons uh, site on, maybe on the next Eye on the Enemy, to talk about what they've been doing this offseason because they have added a ton of defensive players. They have really upgraded the defense during this offseason. And then they um, added some, added some off Bijan Robinson, adding him in the draft. Um, have you seen Mac Hollins, by the way? Mac Hollins looks like a totally different guy. When he was in, when he was in Philadelphia, he was a, as a number four receiver. He was like a lanky string bean, not a very physical guy, he had speed, but he, with he, I don't know what he did to himself, but he went to bodybuilding school or whatever, and he looks like a jacked mountain of a man, like a DK Metcalf looking dude. And some of the moves he was putting on and, and the athleticism, he looks like a totally different guy. I'm very interested to see what Mac Hollins um, has in store for the Falcons here this year. And I like Desmond Ritter as a prospect. I don't know, but Arthur Smith, if there's anybody who can get a quarterback to play well and can put together a, a neat looking offense with Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts and all those guys, uh, I think that could be, that could be a really fun team. The Buccaneers are going to be terrible. And I think the saints are going to be decent. They're not going to be good, great, but they could be good. I mean, we saw that they were kind of a, a frisky team when they came into Philadelphia at the end of last season. So I think that division is going to be a little bit better than we think. And I'm interested to see, especially the Falcons, I'm really interested to see um, how that team takes off with Desmond Ritter and how Bryce Young plays in Carolina. Carolina could be one of two ways. If Bryce Young really struggles uh, to start off his NFL career, which would be the norm, uh, then then 
Carolina will likely struggle, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I think the Falcons have really improved themselves this offseason. So that is a fun team to watch. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thank you for the mailbag questions. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure that you're checking out BleedingGreenNation.com every day. The news and the rumors and the notes from training camp are going to be there all the time. So uh, you're going to want to make that a daily stop. And of course, our podcasts, uh, BGN Radio especially, are keeping you up to date on everything that's happening at training camp. So make sure you're listening to the BGN radio podcast feed every day as well thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time right here on eye on the enemy BGN.